It's a beautiful Friday. It's really great to be here. Hope you're doing well. I'd like to see if I can talk like this the whole time. I don't think it's going to be possible, but you never know. If we put our ears to it, if we really grind our elbows and really, really dig in, we can find it. We can find it. Sounds good. Thank you both. Thank you both. Gnome stretch. Stretch in the gnome. What is it, right? Stretch in the gnome in the ray. It's all there. It's all there. It's great to hear you. Thank you for letting me know that, Julian. That always helps. Guys, just so you know, that, that it always helps to know if you hear the music and it always helps to know if you hear the the voice. Because let's face it, this guy, sometimes he's muted. It just happens. You know, there you are, listening to wisdom. Next thing you know. And you're wondering, what is he saying? Right? Right? So, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Hello, everyone. Good to see everybody. we got a lot to do. And, uh, yeah, <clears throat> I kind of want to address some of the comments. But I think if I think you should just, uh, if you want to watch the, there's a, a Wednesday video. It's not a live stream. My audience is a live stream audience. It's just, it just happened that way. It's just what happens. So when I upload a video, most of you don't even see it. I mean, I don't know what most means. I don't even know. Apparently, there's 18,069 of you because we have to stand up to James and, and unsubscribe for him to him because he's a cult now, right? And, and, and I don't even know who those people are. And it's this uh, wandering people I picture. And I picture these 18,000. They're, they're kind of... They're, they're nomads. They're nomads on the witness desert. By the way, uh, sidebar. This could be a lot of sidebars today. I should have called this episode the sidebar. It, 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 I really should have done that. Uh, uh, sidebar. Sahara, the Sahara Desert. I, I realize that in Arabic, I think it might even mean desert. Uh, I want you to understand that Saha actually is a word that means the great plentiful uh, opening, the great green, the eminent permanent uh, yard. That's what Saha means. And what's at the end of Saha? I'm going to wait. Tick, tock, tick, tock. What's at the end of Sahara? Ra, right? Sa, ha, ra. Sahara is... The abundant, fertile field of Ra. I'm telling you that the Sahara Desert in Africa is the abundant, fertile field of Ra. And if you've read Ark of Baphomet, I hit this theme right in chapter one, talking about this placenta connection that we had. We had this deep, deep placenta connection. And if you read that book, it walks you through it. It explains what the Valley of the Kings meant. It, it, and if you follow this further and you do some etymology on Sahara and you understand that, wait a minute, they're calling this, Wikipedia will tell you, yeah, Sahara means desert. And so long ago in Africa, people were wandering around going, it's hot as fuck. It's like, yeah, I know it's hot. Oh my God, it's so hot. What should we call this place? What, what, what place? Th this desert. What should we call it? Oh, this desert? 
well, we should give it a name. We should call it Desert. And you're listening to people try and explain to you that a long time ago, people were like, what should we call this mountain? And the answer is mountain, mountain, right? Mount space ton, right? I climbed Mount Ton today. Mountain, mountain. And, and, and you end up with this history where you're, you're literally listening in college and you're writing down everything and they're telling you, yeah, everything back then was, a, was because of ritual. That's why. Yeah, they built the pyramids because they were ritual. It was ritual. Everything was ritual. And you're picturing this time back then where everyone's like, oh, Salama Mahakam. Oh, bless you. Oh, bless you. Oh, bless you. Oh, bless you. Oh, let's have a ceremony. And then you go have a big ceremony and everyone's like, do you have your fine linens? Yes, I do. Do you have your unleavened bread? Yes, I do. Right. I can hear one of the comments, which is that, James, can you get on with it? No, I can't. It's it's a freaking live stream. If you want something potent, you need to buy my books. If you want something quick, you, you look at the, all the videos that I've uploaded. Watch those. Don't watch this. Don't come here hoping for a drive through theater uh, or drive in. Actually, expect the theater, but but it, but not a drive up window. That's what I'm trying to say. And we got a lot to cover. Oh, my God. We have so much to cover. Oh, my God. We have so much to cover today. A lot of... I told you about the sidebars. Chromosome means color body. You know that, right? It's a Greek word for color body. So, Mama, don't take my chromosome uh, is uh, really a, a way of remembering this, uh, that the colorful nature of who you are is expressed uh, in this, uh, in, in, in your chromosomes, your color bodies, right? So I just wanted to get started there. Then a really important thing I really want to hit right, right at the moment, look at the old Golgi down there. It's like, oh, I'm the Golgi. I'm hanging out being a Golgi. I'm glad I'm not wasting time by, by ranting on about random things instead of just getting to the facts. Cause I'm golgi I'm the big guy named Golgi. But yeah, you, you, you yeast, Yeast is the smallest eukaryotic, so learning that word to say it audibly, I should say, instead of reading it, but the smallest living organism that we have is the yeast cell. And I've always considered this fascinating because there's so many instances where uh, yeast cell is used uh, throughout, throughout history, right? Like a lot, like, like a lot. Here's 30 Bible verses that deal with unleavened bread, right? Unleavened bread meaning bread that does not have yeast. Why does it not have yeast? Some of you will say, well, because everything was ritual. Look, there's those guys. And then the other of you will say is because yeast was so good that people wanted you to deny yourself. And that's a beautiful theory. I, I, I'm not even saying that theory is not, not correct. I'm telling you that if you were to understand that this world is cyclical, right, if it's cyclical, that it means that the past and the future have met on the other side of the tree. And you and I are chickens chasing each other around the pallets in the yard, right? We, we, we don't know where, where it begins or ends. There's just the journey, and, and we pretend things are linear and, and stuff like that, right? But, you know, here we are. Hey, Eric, so you good to see you. So it's, uh, it, it's this, this concept could be revisited at any point in time, and I'm suggesting you do that right now with leavened bread because during, during Passover, let me see if I can get this. Yeah, during Passover, right? What was, the, what was the concept of Passover? It's two very important points. Actually, several, right? But if you were a Jew, very important that you did these things. One, only eat this goat. Only eat this goat. Two, do not break its bones. Do not secrete marrow. 
into the blood and the meat because you do not want to ingest the marrow right now. You want a nice, clean, clean blood. With that clean blood, by the way, you just smear it above your door. Point four, very important. Don't eat any yeast. Put no other living sentient DNA in your system because this, this is literally what it says, because the Holy Ghost is coming and will pass over your house and will smell who in the house ate the goat and will link the blood on the doorway with these people inside this dwelling have participated in this ritual, which means they are asking for my protection. Again, I'm just telling you what the story says. And that the Holy Ghost needs you to have a clean kill with no other DNA so that it can find you. So that it can find your codochrome, your chromosome. Mama, don't take my chromosome away is even more prevalent when you find out that the matriarchal mitochondria, but we'll get to that. Think about this concept that the Passover, the Holy Ghost, could be some sort of an AI that could do a scan, a DNA scan, right? And since whose DNA has the goat, first find portal, right? Above portal is blood smeared, yes. Look at portal, is blood smear clean of white blood cells? Does it have a low white blood cell count, right? Is there a low marrow? So these people inside this threshold were intelligent enough to follow my lead. I'm using intelligence loosely here. This is very similar to the idea of kill all the Indians that try and drink, uh, that, that don't drink by, by taking water to their mouth with their hands. If, if they're sticking their lips in the stream, shoot them. I'm not condoning this. I'm just telling you that this is sort of like a way of filtering out uh, where people are on a certain threshold. Uh, very similar, very similar. We're going to put out a uh, syringe that you can inject. We're going to put a blank insert that has no writing on it whatsoever. And it's even going to say this page is intentionally left blank. And that sheet of paper is telling you the ingredients, the dangers, and everything else that's associated with that. Same, exact same exercise. Exact same exercise. Really. Exact same. It's even. It's both metal. Both metals are penetrating you intramuscularly, right? Bullets, swords, spears, right? Syringes, all of these are metal projectiles. It's beautiful. When you look at it, it's so obvious where we are. It, it really, I mean this in a good way. It's, it's very clear. But can you, can you follow me back to the Passover thing here? Let's put him on the screen. He's like, come inside. You guys have had a long walk. My name's Godius, and we have a wonderful party inside. And it's kind of weird because you're going to have to kill me and spend my blood above the door. But before you do that, I want you to know it's, it's all killing. It's Yiddish. It's kosher. It's very, it's very kosher. It's okay to do this, right? That the Holy Spirit, some sort of technology, could actually scan the blood and determine who actually followed this procedure. And the lack of yeast would give you a cleaner look at what the entity is inside. Keep in mind that the, our idea of what life is is such a, such a, uh, just a, a simpleton view even. And that if you were to truly understand that, that especially if you follow the concept of the Holy Spirit, keep in mind that the Holy Spirit is the one thing that you are not allowed to doubt. 
you can doubt God, you can, you can rebuke God, you can call God names. You cannot doubt the Holy Spirit. And this Holy Spirit is so intrinsically built into Passover, the ceremony, that I just think it needs looking at, especially when we're dealing with chromosomes, because I want you to see that there's an actual science behind this. And I don't need you to buy into the AI. I think that that it would it I think it's a more of a stretch to picture that we would have a history that's never invented artificial intelligence before. You'd buy that probably, right? I mean, I think it's more of a stretch to assume that we have never invented artificial intelligence before. That's a two, B, right? Uh, or II if you're Roman, right? Uh, II, um, not only is it is it more likely that AI exists, but that AI would do well to farm humans in the fastest way in order to proliferate life before some sort of what what we we now call a large geological catastrophic event. And I, I, I'm not being doom or gloom. I'm simply telling you that if you look at the geological record, it, it, it actually is pretty clear that there seems to be this dry as uh, period, that there's these other periods that seem to have this bell that gets rung every 6,000 to 12,000 years. When that bell's rung, big things happen. There tends to need to be a reset of some sort and that that reset would be uh, spawned and sped by some sort of uh, gardener, like a caretaker. You would hire a caretaker on your land. You would appoint something to maybe uh, protect your fields. In, in fact, blankets were many times used on orange trees, right? You get the idea and that the same thing could simply be in place on a larger scale. And if you think big enough, it, 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 it would look like what? It would fucking look like this. Okay, I'm not saying it would have to be this goat, although this guy's, this guy's pretty cute. He's nice. You can tell he's a nice goat. You can tell that when you go inside, you're gonna he's going to have a clean guest bathroom. You can tell. Look at him. Look at him. You can tell, right? Finely tailored suit. It gives you that idea. And he's even telling you, hey, smear my blood. It's okay. It's okay. It's 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 a weird world, right? I'm only on slide one, by the way. The person who's like, why don't you get on with it? Yeah, it's not going to happen, dude. It's not going to happen. So, uh, 30 Bible verses, unleavened bread, just something to think about. And I, I ask you to think about that because I really want you to consider that you're a karotic family that yeast is in, that they, they have chromosomes. You have chromosomes. They have nucleus. You have a nucleus. They reproduce. You reproduce. They respond to heat. You respond to heat. They, uh, they have uh, mitochondria. You have mitochondria, right? I think it has mitochondria. You know what? I don't know. I don't want to tell you wrong. God forbid some of you actually have to prune my lips, right? Does yeast have mitochondria? It's probably a dumb question. It probably doesn't. Yeast mitochondria? It does. But it's called cerevasia. It can grow either aerobically or anaerobically. At the start of the research, electron microscopes suggest mitochondria change morphology. What does yeast have? Why does yeast have mitochondria? Now people are asking why. How dare, how dare yeast have mitochondria? That is absurd. So, um, yeah. So there's there's some thoughts on yeast. Have fun with that. Uh, th these are your autosomes, and this is your sex chromosomes. I, I'm not trying to educate you. In fact, many of you may know more about this stuff than I do, but I've been writing a new book, and uh, a lot of this is dealing with chromosomes, and I just noticed a few things that I wanted to share with you today, one of which is that the autosomes, right, the non-sex chromosomes, 
um, um, are all in pairs. They're all roughly structurally the same. They all have this concept of a twin. They all have this even deeper concept, not just a twin, but keep in mind that the uh, Carl Jung, who, who did not know about chromosomes, to, although maybe later in his career he probably did, chromatins, I think they were called back then. But if you were to look at the uh, ATCG connections, right, that inside your, your chromatin, your double helix, there's always going to be one hand that's reaching from, from one side of the helix and, and grasping another hand, right? And, and the nature of this hand being an A, adrenazine, you'll see it the next thing, but, but uh, it, that it would meet with thi thiamine and that that's the other hand, right? And I'm saying this to you now, not because I want you to even remember those words. I want you to think about this concept that young it wasn't just young, by the way. G Greeks, if anything, he sort of plagiarized, not that he's plagiarized, but he sort of took this from the Greek idea, but this animus, this anime, this is built in your genes. Your entire, right, double helix can be rebuilt by taking one side, right? It, that's literally what, what RNA transcription is, right? It's, it's unzipping the double helix, and it's taking one of you, your, your Enoch, your primary, and it's copying it. And by copying it, your shadow self is automatically being built. And you have no choice. There's a shadow self of you, a completely different genetic code. It's completely different. You might say, yeah, but it's uh, faded because it's the exact opposite. Yeah, it is. But here's the beauty of this whole world. Every single thing, which I hope to get to today, because I'm going to show you some slides on this, comes back to this idea of everything has space between. This is a spark gap. Jacob's Ladder, your neurotransmitters, even your cells through ion channels have these gaps that separate cell to cell, neuron to neuron, that there's purposely a gap, right? That spark gap. You'll see that. You'll witness electricity between that spark gap, right? What is Jacob's Ladder? But it's actually not straight, right? The, the poles get a little bit wider because as the electricity climbs, it has no choice but to spark gap because of the, the width, right? So it's causing the bridge to occur. And what is that bridge? What that bridge really is, is you witnessing it. You're witnessing electricity. And that's what happens is a loss of energy during your witness of electricity. The exact same reality is built into not just your neurons, but your cells. And I didn't even know this. The cells, the ion channels, have their own vents, right? Their own pores. And that by me sending certain currents into your pores, you might want to put fur on. You might want to develop techniques to, to uh, dry leather and apply that leather on top of your pore. Why? Because the ion channels of your pores, the wind, the rain, the elements themselves, were inspiring you to change your entire structure to deal with something that you and I called it's cold as fuck, right? And that if you look at that as above, so below, your cells are doing the same thing through ion channels, that the keratin in your fingernail says, hey, man, I want you to not stop being skin, man. I want you to be a fingernail. Well, fingernail, yeah. You and me and this other guy, we're going to be fingernail. And you're a skin cell at this point. You're like, I can't, I, I don't have what it takes to be a fingernail. That's like tip of the spear. Those people are like, well, I can't do that. And the cell's like, you can do it. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. 
And the entire time, the ion channels from that fingernail are rewarding the neighborhood cell, the skin cell, asking it to convert. Will you please convert to a fingernail? And that your cooperative reef, your living body, your cooperative reef, right, that's built on the hardest calcium deposits of your bone itself, right, the exact same element made from, from reefs underwater, right, that this exact same structure is built that has these ion channels that are just the holes in the reef that, that the currents of the ocean are the same currents of the plasma, of the ether, of the air, of your thoughts, right? Of all these things that they're pouring in and that you are changing your DNA structure. Every moment you are epigenetically rewriting your own code, redefining who you are because of your neighbor's because of the symbiotic pollination that's happening around you, that, that your skin cells will finally win and convince you to become a fingernail because it's so important, it'll tell you. Think about the honor you'll have being a fingernail. Thank you for your service, right? That the entire thing that's happening here in culture is happening inside your body. It's beautiful. And you can pretend like it's random, and you can insist that your body randomly grew this way, but if you take the time to put more gnosis in, to just just read a few things and just go interesting, you start to see that, wow, there's, a, there's an intelligence that is not just in genes, but there's an intelligence that's outside of genes, and that the genes, the chromosomes that we're looking at don't even show us that, except for one. The sex chromosome. Outside of the autosomes, you have this one sex chromosome that's, that's uniquely, dramatically different than the rest in many, many ways. Lots of ways. One of which is its asymmetry. The asymmetry of it is profoundly unique. And it's not even necessary. What am I saying? Birds don't need this. They have sex. They have gender, whatever you want to call it. That, in fact, if you were to read science right now, you'd understand that, first of all, if you're going to clone an egg, you don't even need a male. Sorry, guys. You don't even need us. They don't even need us. So there's one. Two, most of the species, or, or many, I want to say most, I'm more like population-wise. The, the species do not need this separate chromosome to determine gender. It's quite the opposite. In fact, we don't even need it either, which we'll get to. We'll just go slide by slide. We'll get there slowly. So these are your normal human karyotypes, right? And there's karyotypes and karyotypes. And we're, we're, I'm just kidding. There's no karyotypes. The inside of our DNA, though, is this other interesting clue, which I think is just beautiful when you start to understand this, that when we unlock the nuclear family, when we think about the idea of patriarch, that, and, and by the way, I think patriarch should be a good word, Especially when you start to think about what Rome was, that before government there was patriarch, and so there was a familia, right? A, a, a building of sorts, a living piece of earth that had humans attached, and one of the humans was the patriarch. And this, this man was responsible for everything that everyone did inside the house, all crimes, all debts, all that stuff. And you had a different kind of culture where people were learning to become sovereign, were learning to reach for their, their own patriarchy and had certain methods to go. The first method was outlaw, where you're not even a citizen, where 
Any Roman citizen could kill you and there would be no trial simply because you're an outlaw. And so you instantly have this life that's like, I, I must establish patriarchy. There's like a living desire to find your own patriarchy, which is why slavery was such a popular and helpful in construction and constructive invention in Rome. Half of Rome was run on slavery, which I'm sure many of you heard me say before. But built into our chromosomes is this mitochondrial patriarchy. And it's actually a matriarchy. Inside of your chromosomes, inside of not just your chromosomes, every single one of your cells has a temple, an altar inside of it that you and I called mitochondria. And inside of that altar, placed on that altar, I should say, is a foreign DNA. A foreign DNA living inside of you, and it's both foreign and it's you, but every single one of your cells has it. That's how important it is. It's so important and sacred that you hold your own copy of the mitochondrial DNA that it actually gives you what I think is a surname. I believe that our conceptual idea of having a last name comes from having more calories, having more self-worth. And that just like you can span and think longer than, say, a 52-year period, right? When we can start to invent concepts like zero or irrational numbers, even, that we start to reach for higher forms of consciousness that involve us, that involve us tapping into deeper forms of identity and that mitochondrial DNA is the perfect, perfect stepping stone for this. And it's profound to me that in our search to map the genetic code that we decided that we would do mitochondria first. That before we could even map the human DNA, we knew that we had to first map the mitochondrial DNA in order to know what is not who we are. And I use not in a very loose way. So... Built into every one of your cells, every one of your structures, every time your cell duplicates itself, it uninstalls this Roman temple, this uh, altar, and places it inside your house, your home, your cell. And that altar is the mitochondria, and it gives you prana, it gives you life. That like plants absorb information from the sun, you too absorb resources through this mitochondria. The antithesis of this, by the way, is melanin, which is something we'll get to in later topics, that melanin's doing the same thing. It's absorbing sunlight, and it's one thing to say that melanin sucks and drinks uh, sunlight like a black hole, but it's quite another to understand that when it drinks that light, it gains energy. Something happens. It's the uh, melanin is, is uh, the, the uh, photosynthesis of humankind. I'm, I'm getting off topic here, but I want you to think about this mitochondria as an important symbiotic link. It is inside you at all times, but it's not you. You declare it as you. It's your copy, right? It's your living Torah. It's your living altar. It's your living familia. It's your living patriarchy. Whatever words you want to pull in, you could call it your state, your duke, your king. Think about it. All through society, we have this idea, your boss, your governor, your mayor, 
right? We have this concept of this outer authority that is somehow bequeathing something to us. And, and I think that we're just seeing that through the Oracle of Mythology. So this mitochondrial DNA you carry around, even though you, it's the same, most of the time it'll be the same copy everyone else has. Most of the time, but it does something very, very convenient, this mitochondrial DNA. So what does it do conveniently? First of all, it's, uh, this is kind of what it looks like. The DNA itself is not in the helical structure of, of the, the X and the pairs that you see. The mitochondrial is a perfect circle. It's, it's linked. It, it, it doesn't think in terms of pairs as you and I as our DNA would. It certainly has uh, uh, the protein pairs, the shadow of itself, but it's it's in this ring. But I, in case you don't know, during sexual reproduction, mitochondria is always inherited from the mother. That the mammal, all mammals, right, the mitochondria and the sperm is destroyed by the egg. The guys, when you, when your sperm enters that egg, the f one of the first things that that the egg does is kill your mitochondria. It says, no, 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 you're not bringing that, you're not bringing that God in here. We have our own copy. We have our own mitochondria. Mitochondria are only in the sperm tail. And I wanted you guys to know this because it, when you free sperm for IVF, one of the things that happens is the tails fall off. So the sperm has harder time getting into the egg but more importantly when it shows up the egg i think something profound happens that we don't talk about that I, you're not going to read what i'm about to say but i think that the egg understands that oh god this guy has no mitochondria this guy is godless this donor has no uh familia to it now I grant you that it's going to destroy that familia anyway. I grant you that. But I think that we're living in this very archaic conceptualization of what life is. If you read Ark of Baphomet, I, I really push this because I, I show you how Thoth is actually the first, the, the, the shape of your brain, the first brain actually looks like an ibis, the bird, the, the Thoth bird of Egypt. It actually looks that way. It's got the beak, it's got the neck, it's got all those things. And that that the very first thing that your blastocyst develops through osmosis is it pulls water in from its mother. It pulls sacred water in from its exterior. And that the moment that it, it pulls this stuff in, it finds for the very first time potassium. And for the very first time, it has its form of writing. It has a form of memory. And it uses that potassium from the moment it's a cell. Think about it. when it's in an Elohim. What is a blastocyst? It is when one egg splits itself into several. When I becomes they. When it becomes they. That is the Elohim forming. The Elohim forms. It splits, separates the waters from the waters. What does that mean? It has osmosis. It creates a space inside itself by forming a, a, an outer perimeter and that space and that perimeter separates the waters from the waters, separates that by pulling water in. I know most of you didn't get a chance to see uh, uh, my talk at uh, Astronosis, um, 
but there's a great presentation there. Um, you can watch that another, maybe there's a link going around or something, but, but, uh, I talk a lot more about that. In fact, maybe we'll do that presentation sometime for patrons or something. But the, the point is, is that the Oracle of mythology is teaching you the entire time that from the moment of conception, not the moment of conception, from the moment that we found potassium, your conscious egg was able to store information. You were able to remember things. So the birth of your identity actually took place in that blastocyst there. When you were attached to the uterine wall, you were already had a separate identity. You gained your first mitochondrial. And who gave it to you? Your mom did. And your mother's mother gave it to her. And your mother's mother gave it to her. And, and all those could have happened through the father. Wouldn't matter. Because the father's only going, his mitochondria is not even going to be used. This, this is important because it's so remarkably convenient that we have that in there. Think about the, the sins of the father. If you do the math, I did a stream about this a while ago, but if, if you do the math, you will find that the sins of the father are actually only able to persist inside your genes for three generations. And part of it has to do with this mitochondrial shift, that there's certain information that no matter how hard you try, it's just simply going to go away if you're a man. It's going to go away. I would like to put forward to you the same theory that I found in Archibaphomet, but I'm telling you this same theory now comes through science, uh, genetic theory, and just our general understanding of, of what a chromosome is. When Archibaphomet, I was telling you all these things from a historical perspective of Egyptian uh, hermetics, of of uh, ancient religion, of mounting, uh, of, of linking uh, Doxa, right, the uh, Indian goat god with Pan, with uh, Banabjedit. Uh, so you have four different goat gods that all have this same theory that from different cultures that, that we need to populate the world and we need a goat to do it. And that all these things are mimicked in the Oracle of Mythology when we start to look at cloning and the Dolly the sheep. There's a reason why the sheep is, is so much better, so much easier when it comes to cloning. And that even these yeast cells, my beautiful listeners, even these yeast cells that we were talking about have the ability, I know this isn't yeast, I don't know how to back up easily, but even these yeast cells have the ability to hold human DNA and grow. But you and I could, could climb into a piece of yeast and live forever. And where do you get yeast? Sure, you can go out and try and collect it from the grass and hey, more power to you. But most of us will have a mother. Most of us will have a mother of yeast. And the mother of yeast provides us the same agents. Uh, don't ask me. I don't know that much about baking, but but you know this is the case. Same with kombucha, right? That all anything involving this system has this matriarchal patriarchy. I'm actually going to call it that—a matriarchal patriarchy, matrilineal patriarchy. That's what it is. Matrilineal patriarchy built into it. And so, of course, we're going to behave the way we are. Of course, we're going to have families the way we have families. Of course, we're going to do all these things because every one of you has this. Every one of you has the same code. And it, it's, it's basically the same. Hey, uh, picture you're in Walmart, right? And someone's just like, yeah, it's, uh, someone left their lights on. The person's name is uh, G-A-T-C-A-C-A-G-G-T-C-T-A-T-C-A-C-C-C-T-A-T-T-A-C-C-C. Like, 
That's a long way to identify someone, but it works. It works so well that we've been able to link and historically look at just how far you and I've come simply by tracing not our DNA, but the mitochondria we find. Why? Because it's in every cell. It's like so conveniently there. It's, it's almost like it's by design. And I use almost in an ironic way, meaning you, that's not almost. Th this is called a log file. This is the most basic tenet of any operating system. If anyone wants to do anything reasonably more complex than simple, you're going to have to have a log file somewhere. You're going to want to somehow record so you can track the progress of every file that's there. You would need this. And this is a waste of space for all of us to have this same code, but yet we do. And the only benefit that I can see to it is tracking, is having a log file. It's the only benefit I can see to it. So yeah, hey, T-T-T-G-C-H-C-A-T-T-G-A-C-F-E. Yeah, I see you. I see you. I know what you're doing. Lupusentus, right? The wolf within. We're using this same technique by comparing the ancient mitochondrial DNA with the modern chondral, uh, mitochondrial genomes of 77 domestic dogs, 49 wolves, and 4 coyotes. Turns out that they all evolved from one mother wolf. And this mother wolf was a European wolf. And the biggie, the biggie here, I think, the big takeaway here is that you might think that dogs became domesticated or, or somehow evolved into a man's helper after we, we grew farms and agriculture, but it turns out using mitochondrial DNA that no, it's actually quite the opposite, that the, the brethrenship that began between lupus and us happened actually when we were, uh, when we were hunters, when we were roaming, that the predator wolves found that if they tracked us, they simply found food. And so they did the same thing that you and I would do if someone was blowing cold air into our ion channels. They changed. They changed instantly. And it doesn't work like, like, uh, like you're taught in school. Evolution is much more intelligent than we think. It's so much more intelligent. It's profoundly different than what you've been taught in school. It's so profound that we end up getting lost a lot, I think, because we just don't understand how different it is from what we've been told. Just as we've been able to track this wolf, there is this search now for the mitochondrial Eve. Maybe you've heard of this. But just as we can analyze a certain number of wolves and start to see, hey, all these have this parental mitochondria, well, you and I can do the same thing with Eve. We can trace this mitochondrial code all the way back and look for what, would, what we would first think would be a first Eve. I say what we first think because I want you to know that in a time as advanced as ours, uh, very easy for me to picture a megalomaniac who would actually want to want his mitochondrial code to be seen as the matriarchal Eve. I'm sure you can picture this. I think if you looked at the concept of Genghis Khan, who like 8% of the population is supposed to carry that same mitochondrial uh, uh, strain, that you could also see how this would be very easy to hack, that even with some sort of a virus, 
that you could rewrite someone else's mitochondrial code. In fact, I think that that virus is literally called propaganda. I, I think we hear that on the TV. On Wednesday, I spoke against the idea of direct energy weapons because I was so insulted because the people that are insisting direct energy weapons are, are now here seem to think that propaganda and media is not a direct energy weapon, and I'm, I'm really tired of those retards. Because the most powerful do weapon I've ever seen is you're watching it right now. You're listening to the laser right now. But it doesn't have enough salacious furls, so, and we don't want to think about how penetratingly dangerous this is, so it becomes remarkably convenient to insist that A, there are no satellites, B, there is a satellite, though, that holds a gigantic death ray, C, that death ray is not capable of penetrating a roof if it's painted blue because. The blue laser is so much more expensive when you buy it at Walmart. And that those four things are the entire regional structure of thought when you start to get into not having a neocortex that's fully online, not being able to think in hard ways. Because the do is, it's right here. Do-tube, right? It's not YouTube, it's do-tube. I don't know when... We've last found this mitochondrial Eve. I think that we've already found it. I think it's absurd to think that, that, that we would have found the mitochondrial genome in 1981 and we still haven't gotten around. Well, we'll get around to tracing this later. But I, I, I would think that what we're looking at is the public library version when anyone worth their salt would be spending so much more of their effort tracing these things simply because... It's one of the more important things in the world. It's a lot more important than, than what society. It's, it's not CRISPR. It's not 19 box cutters, right? This is real stuff happening here. This is real stuff, which is why I'm so harsh on CRISPR, because I think we're just completely missing just how profound what our chromosomes are, but even more importantly, just what our chromosomes aren't. Your genes do not have everything. There is still a missing meta-language here. And that meta-language probably is compressed inside of it. It could be that it's compressed inside of here, but we do not understand how harmonic gnosis works, if I can make up that word. There's somehow there's some sort of harmonic gnosis. That, that, there's not a gene that tells the spider, here's how you make a web. But when the genes are coiled in just the right way and the histones are curled in just the right way, that different hands, different AT pairs touch each other and that those touching creates this meta field. This is just like how your brain works, by the way. And that meta field, because of the way that the chromosome is curled, gives the spider the inclination to know how to build a web. That's my best guess. I don't know, though. It could be another signal. It could be. You and I are, are not even living in a culture that's able to discuss these things. And in fact, you should be offended at how sickly every one of these five different uh, uh, areas capitalized on this thing. That the legislator, the courts, the education industry, press, media and press, religion, all of these used this new knowledge, this new information to attack you to punish people, and to create another economy. And it's disgusting because you and I don't actually have never really had a decent conversation about creation or evolution. 
because we've just watched the narrative cannibalize it. And in fact, if you were to consider, if Charles Darwin was to, by the way, that his the, the, the famous works that he published was not actually called On the Origin of Species. The full title was On the Origin of Species by Means of Natural Selection or the Preservation of Favored Races and the Struggle of Life. And I would argue with you right now, or argue to you right now, I should say, that if Darwin was to come into this world for the first time right now and try to put forth a book called The Preservation of Favored Races and the Struggle for Life, and to try and expound on the differences, the the many, many differences that are so strongly remarked between the human races that he would be ostracized and burned at the stake by the very people that insist that it was Darwin that allowed them to save themselves from the Christian people that were ostracizing them and burning them at the stake. So you have a fluxual engine at work, and truth has never, ever gotten out. You've never even had a someone even speak about chromosomes the way I'm presenting them now. I, I seriously mean that. Because when you start to unwrap this as a, as a programmer, the programmer in me, all I see is code. All I see is the most obvious form of, of how mass API code works, application programming interface. It's so obvious to me that I just have to be gentle with how I even go about exposing this to you, sharing this with you. And we pretend the entire war, war was over the origin of species, but, but think about it. This is the only diagram that was actually in Darwin's work. It's the only one. It's a tree diagram. It's the only drawing. And if you were to read a Cliff Notes of Origin of Species, I know most of you have not read Origin of Species. I have not. I remember uh, uh, reading the first few pages of it just to try and get a, a feel for the taste of it, and I found it really boring. And if you were to, to do that yourself, you would find that this is basically it. Eight points. Every species is fertile enough that offsprings that survive will reproduce and a population will grow. Number two, despite periodic fluctuations, population remains roughly the same size. Number three, resources such as food are limited and relatively stable over time. Four, this causes struggle for for survival to ensue. Five individuals on a population vary significantly from one another. Oh my God, the sacrilege, right? Six, much of this variation is heritable. Seven, individuals less suited to the environment are less likely to survive and less likely to reproduce, right? Eight, this slowly effect process results in populations changing to adapt. This is, this is what it said. This is the salacious content, which means you and I still can't really have a decent conversation about these things because we've pretended that evolution was somehow different than creationism, and they're not. There's, do you see there's nothing in here about creation? It doesn't say creation once. Not once. Why? Because of this industry called politics. This is J.W. Butler. Literally said, I don't know anything about evolution when I introduced the bill. I just read in the papers that boys and girls were coming home from school and telling their fathers and mothers that the Bible was all nonsense. He read that in the paper, which means the legislature was told by the media that the education system, and all three of them ganged up and declared a war on chromosomes 
I, I really mean that. I say war because they rape it and turn it into their own token scapegoat to do whatever they want. This guy's insisting the evolutionist denies the biblical story of creation. Guess what? The biblical story of creation doesn't, isn't even talking about the earth. It's talking about you. It's talking about what happens in your sperm. What happens in your egg cell? I'm sorry, excuse me. That when the egg cell is marked with the chimera, right? That, that's the cherubim at the gate. And, the, and what does that look like under a microscope? It's a potassium burst. It's a flash of light. There's a flaming sword at the gate of the egg. So it's not even talking about creation. It's talking about your birth. It's talking about your creation because you're the only thing that was created here. Why? Because you were all of these things. You were this whole place wrapped around your own histones. It's brilliant how it all works. And you don't even need creation. You do not even need creation to explain what I'm talking about. That this is a fractal display that's happening all around you. That the teeming nature of life, right? The fact that you... You devolve into maggots when you die shows you that all of these things are vibration. That as your ego breaks down and starts to discombobulate and starts to say, I'm no longer my arm, that the arm can now say, oh, but I'm still alive, I will become maggots. And that each of those things are exercising their right to live, which is the essence of who you are, that your cells are what? What are they? It's a fucking yeast that found friends. That's who you are. You're a yeast. You're, you're, you're a chaotic yeast cell that found friends. And you came from the very place. This, this whole puzzle is, is written for you. There are edges. There are pieces that have edges. And those edges, you start with the edges. And when you start with the edges, you find more. And you cannot find more because of all these industries. This is a stage photo, obviously. But no one knew that. I swear to you, this was shown in the paper saying, uh, John Scopes is here down at the pharmacy teaching these people about evolution and it's turning our town evil and that the ACLU did all this. The American Civil Liberties Union put out a solicitation offering to defend anyone accused of teaching the theory of evolution. And it was the civic uh, uh, patriarchy of this town, of Dayton, Tennessee. It was George Rappelier, local manager of Cumberland Coal and Iron met with the school superintendent, Walter White, and local attorney Sue Hicks, and said, you know what? We could turn this into our own little World's Fair here in Dayton, Tennessee. And the ACLU is inviting us. And they're, they're showing you the mockery of, this is a mockery of the court. It is. It's a mockery of it. It wasn't even real. John Scotts was 24 when this happened. They had to ask him to admit to teaching the theory of evolution. John, John's reply was, I don't know if I taught the theory of evolution. Can you prove that? And the ACLU assured him, don't worry. Can you, can you find a student who's willing to testify against you? And you know what? The answer was no. <laughs> he could not. He couldn't find a student that was upset. He couldn't find a student that, that, that felt any that way. He had to coach his students. The entire thing was a sham. 
William Jennings Bryant jumped on this, right? The Christian parents of the state owe Tennessee governor a debt of gratitude for saving their children from the poisonous influence of an unproven hypothesis. And the hypothesis is never even mentioned. It's never even discussed. And this is the ACLU doing this. You could blame it on Tennessee, but this is the ACLU, this is the media, and this is the courts all playing along. And the Tennessee legislature, too. This is us behaving like children, insisting we know what we're doing. By the way, sidebar, but man, doesn't William James Bryant look just like young Frankenstein, Peter Boyle? Like, th this is the same guy. The same guy. And, and a deep sidebar, if, if you screen capture this and read this letter, you really, really see the depth, the depth and the depravity of the propaganda as it flows. It, think about it. The Scopes trial put William Jennings Bryant, uh, it didn't put him on the map. He was already a pretty big influencer, but he really became the conservative mouthpiece that Woodrow Wilson needed uh, to garnish support. And you're looking at an inception psyop here. This is a psyop inside of a psyop, because if you read this paper, and I won't read it to you, um, but when you read the letter from Brian, basically Brian's saying, I quit Woodrow Wilson because you are acting too harshly on Germany just because they sank the Lusitania. And Wilson's like, I'm so sorry that you're quitting. I, I love you. You're my political brother. It's been so important that we've had you, and I understand that you disagree. And I'm telling you that, that you, the reader, is reading this going, oh, my God, government's real. Oh, my God, he hit him with a chair. Oh, my God, the... He hit him with the ropes. Oh, he's sweating. Oh, he's got a mask on. Oh, my God, he hit him with a chair again. And it's the same thing as Biden's lying, that this is all it takes. All you have to do, all you have to do is create two poles, and you point these poles at each other. And, and as, long as, as long as people can, can be held, as long as their attention can be held, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. The Scopes Monkey Trial was a complete farce of the justice system and had nothing to do with even the discussion of whether creationism was dumb or whether evolution was smart. It didn't even get there. I'm telling you, the entire thing shows you the facade. The facade congealed enough to where most of us decided it was real, and now we have parents that had no idea, no idea that all this is a farce that everything that we call an election in, in America is actually decided in Ohio before anyone votes, that before anyone votes, the candidates are already selected. I'm not even saying behind the scenes. I'm telling you that that's like the selection process. That, that, that That's like it's happened. North Carolina is one of the last electoral states to vote. Back when I was a Libertarian Party chair, I believed in voting. I really thought this was legit. I, I remember trying to reason with myself, convincing myself that it's just unlucky that North Carolina has to wait this long. But when you really start to track it, you realize that as soon as the candidates leave Ohio, they're already selected, so there is there is no selection. There is no nationwide selection. And why? Because that would be stupid. We can't, we can't let an arbitrary, anonymous majority process take place to choose a leader. That's the most insane idea we've ever heard. No, 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 no. We need a leader who's, who knows how to hold people's attention. And that's what Scopes was. It was showing you that. It was showing you what Peter Boyle needed to do before Young Frankenstein was even written. That all you need is the attention. That that's really all you need for this to work. This is so fundamental to understanding politics. 
And I need you to understand here because I don't think you could even look at genes until you start to really realize that, that every single thing that you've ever been told about chromosomes has had to come through the mouthpiece that was written by these people right here. And it's the schools, it's the politics, it's the courts, and it's the media. It's a four-court press on you. And that, that's been written by our ancestors, 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 which means through three multi-generations we've, we've endured. Do you realize that they called the school normal schools? Because the General Education Board literally said, we don't want poets. We don't want scientists. We want normal simpletons. That's the pasture of America. And it, they, we proved that that's what we wanted by falling for this stuff, by listening to this stuff, by thinking this is how it works. And the irony here is that evolution lost in court, that, that even though the jury only needed nine minutes to find Scopes guilty, that, that the, the fine that they gave him was overturned. <laughs> that, that even the lawyers, even the prosecutor did not know that if they fined him $100 that that would break their own law, which says that you cannot find someone more than $50 unless blah, 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 blah paperwork, blah, blah, blah. So... Everything was already pre-written. The entire thing was a farce because the entire time the courts have always been this way. They've always been a farce. This is not a matter of, oh, there's a deep state and the courts are just corrupt. But if we elect the right man, we'll get it fixed. No, no, no. No. No, that's not what's happening at all. Right? And it, it turned Robinson's drugstore around. It made Dayton, Ohio a, a, a national place on the map. Look at how many people are in this courtroom. You really think this is an organic trial? Of course not. Of course not. And this is, this is how you rise in politics. You learn how can I divide. If you can show that you can divide, you become this. I know I'm off topic, but I, it's so important to understand that science is politics. Science and politics are the same thing. It is. It is, man. All right, listen. There's this thing called iris transillumination. There's a genetic, we'll call it a defect just so I can say the sentence, but there's a genetic defect that, uh, that allows sunlight to pass through the iris. And that using this infrared technique that I'm showing you right now, you can infrared, uh, pass infrared light through there and actually see the holes in the iris. That on the left, you're looking at a normal eye. On the right, you're looking at an eye that has this genetic difference, this chromosomal difference that's allowing more light to come through, that, that there's a, a corona and an aura. That there's a chromosome that allows you to see auras. And it's not as clear as what you and I might think. It doesn't have that perfect pupil, that perfect sphere. It's showing you a different kind of reality, but we just call this broken. And this is the same kind of things that exist in, in albinism, which we talk a lot about, and shamanism, that there seems to be some sort of just different ways of seeing things. But so much of our sight is processed through our psychotropics, through our, I'm sorry, through our psychology, that we're psychologically seeing more than we're receptor seeing. That what we determine is sight is actually more built on what we think we should be able to see. It's this, this is a normal, like non-chromosome differentiated eye, I should say. On the left is just the infrared, the iris. It's showing you that perfect corona around it. And just on the right is just what the eye looks like in, in regular light. It's, it's a normal eye. 
you're just seeing it dilated on the left because the, the light's off for the infrared to work. It's, 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 it's a normal eye. The, the iris is a shield, right? It's a mandala. It has no dyes in it. It's made of melanin. Your eye color is just shape, right? It's all shape. And so the shape of the light is hitting that drum, that iris drum. It's affecting the corona of your pupil. Your pupil is taking in all the macular vision, right? The direct vision, but the aurora, the corona of that is a whole other sensory information. It's a whole other world. It's this world of auras. It's this coat of many colors, the oracle mythology, right? Joseph's coat of many colors. Chromosome. The chromosome. The colors of you, the auras of you, all of these things are right there. The information's there, right? A, C, T, Z, D, right? It's all there. But instead of reading it to you, your, your brain is creative enough to express that data. We do the same thing with smell, right? When you, We've talked about this a few episodes ago, but when you smell, you, you know sex, gender, age, fertility, what they ate. You know all the things about someone. You, you already know. And that we've actually turned off, we've genetically shut off our olfactory system just to just to create a civilization. That's a true story. So we're just unlocking these things still. We're learning to walk. We're learning to crawl in this way. If you were to consider what, what chromosomes are telling you, they're telling you that you are two people, the double helix, and that those two people are twins, that they're shadow selves of shadow selves. And one's backwards, one's living opposite, one's, one's running backwards from you, that there's another complete new person inside your chromosome. I know that sounds trippy as fuck, but I'm just telling you what, what we're starting to understand right now. And so when you start to look at that, and you start to think about this idea of homunculus earth, right, that we render reality, then you've got a sun and a moon that you render, that you purposely place up there, and you move them around so it shows you, right, the shadows of the world, the depths of the world. You have two eyes to give you this illusion, may I say, in the most powerful Maya-esque word, but the Maya of depth, and that this depth would only come about because of the moving sun, the fifth sun. And that this fifth sun and this fifth moon will converge much like your mind will that the entire time that the moon is going around, you are seeing the world through the full moon with your right eye and then through a waxing moon with your right eye and then through a waning moon with your right eye. And I'm only saying right eye, that's if you're left-handed like me. To a right-hander, your left brain would see as the moon. And your right brain would see as the sun. And during an eclipse, your left brain and your right brain are looking at the same thing. That the consciousness is focused on the same thing. And during an eclipse, the light that you see around you, right, when all those slivers happen and you're looking at the shadows and the shadows are revealing this, the, the most holy symbol of Allah. <laughs> Seriously, the crescent. Revealed during an eclipse shows you this, the most powerful symbol of Islam, which even ties into this concept of the corona of Egypt. Because keep in mind that the Pharaoh would tell you that, that what they thought real reality was, was what, what you would see when you close your eyes. That you would look at someone and then close your eyes quickly and learn to see the tracers that are formed in the darkness of your eye and that that is reality. Pharaohs were taught that. They were taught to see the truth by looking at the negative, we'll call it, right? Like the negative burn 
that is left on your eyes after looking at something. And so when you look at the sun and close your eyes, what are you seeing? You're seeing the sun, right? You're seeing the black sun shine, the black sun. That entire energy structure is the shadow of the self. And what is your chromosome? It is the A and the T, right? The A will only mount with a T, which means the T is only the shadow of the A. But that's just when you're looking at the helix from the left side, because from the right, the T, the A is the shadow of the T. And this whole time we have this concept of this anima, this animus, this alternative reality, and that alternative reality is right here the whole time. There's this shadow brother or sister that is united with you in destiny, but will always be working from the complete opposite, will always complement, will always shadow. And you, your idea that they're the shadow and you're not is your dogma. And their dogma has the same thing. They're telling, they're telling you you're the shadow, right? And that this is the essence of who we are. The schizophrenic is simply someone who sees the two sources of light. And the albino, the ocular albinist, has trouble focusing and looking at these two things simultaneously. That the intensity of seeing these things without a shield, without a, a melanin shield, is so intense that they have to shudder and shiver their eyes as they look. That they, the only way they can even process it is by constantly moving, which is how you would hold a hot potato, right? It's how you'd walk across a hot beach. You'd do the same thing, right? You'd hop and skip and jump. Birds move their head to see. Maybe it's too intense. Um... <clears throat> By the way, there's a total solar eclipse on April 8th, 2024. And if you're looking for 369, uh, the totality will be four minutes and nine seconds, which is 369 in Carbondale, Illinois. I told you there'd be a lot of sidebars. I told you that. So, yeah, anyway. You know, this idea that autism is genetic, it's, it's not actually a synonym for autism is fate. This is what I mean by I wanted to start with the scope stuff because I wanted you to know that, that the language that, that we've adopted is so wrong. Oh, this is genetic. Is this idea that it, it's immovable and it's just not true. There's zero evidence that supports that. There's so much more evidence that supports the counter of that. And so when you watch someone try and, try and excuse their, themselves by saying it's genetic, you're watching someone who's literally saying that, I don't know how genes work. I have no fucking idea how genes work. And that's exactly what J.H. Butler was doing in the Scopes Monkey Trial. I don't know about evolution, but it sucks. Right? It's the exact same thing. You, you, you have to watch out for this magic because this is how, how uh, surrender works. Words like this is how surrender works. Autism is genetic, or that's genetic, or change your ball because you're genetic. No, I can grow hair right now. Watch. But you just got to wait for it. Is it working? You see it up there? You see it? Oh, it's hurting. Oh, I just felt one come out. Oh, right? We're learning to, what did I say? We're learning to crawl. We're learning to crawl. And if I had enough uh, consciousness, if I had enough calories, I could align my red blood cell and feed the ion channels at the top of my head and say, dude, I think we should grow some hair. And have the rest of my, my head be like, uh, that's crazy, man. You can't grow hair. It's genetic. It's like, no, it's not. 
It's just an ion channel, dude. All you got to do, you're like, here, let me blow in your ion channel. Well, what, let me do what? I, I, it's not as, it's not as, it's not as perverted as you think. Just let me blow in your ion channel. Just let me blow in your ion channel. I'll make keratin pop up, right? Is that a keratin in your pants or are you just happy to see me, right? You get it. You get it. You know what's going on. So I, you got to get that out of mind that, that genes are concrete. They're not. They're, they're not concrete. It's quite the opposite. It works nothing like, like concrete. Nothing at all. Where did I go? Where did I go? Here I am. Um, so I wanted to cover this last time with clones, but here's, here's twins that married twins in Moscow, Idaho. These guys are adorable. You can tell the dogs like, sort of like, uh, this is a weird house. Y'all just want you to know it's a weird house, but we're having fun. We're family. We got it going on. Right. And the, the, the studies of twins, um, it turns out that that their genes change as they grow. 35% of twins revealed a difference in genes, especially as they got older. Right? So they're constantly changing. And they're changing, I think, by your posture. You're, you're, if you're positive, there's going to be uh, more RNA transcription that's more like, uh, like uh, victorious. And when you're negative, it's going to be more opportunities for you to mutate. Do you see what I did there? I didn't even say like this. It's more opportunities for you to mutate. All of your change, all of the massive alchemical changes that you make in life will, will come from negativity. It will. You, you just have to learn to drink the negativity, I say. Learn to ride with it, right? Learn to, learn to uh, make it your vendejo. So th this, uh, uh, even though these guys look exactly the same, they've dramatically changed inside. The world's doing that. It's dog. That dog just loved to read his diary. Dear diary, I pooped today. It was pretty great. I wagged my tail. I barked at something. Okay, this is June and Jennifer Gibbons. Wow, these these two are interesting. Uh, these are twins that uh, were basically uh, possessed by each other. And I'm bringing this up because I want you to think about this idea of, of clones, because really clones are just, just twins, really. And when you start to look at the characteristics that twins have, you can start to think more about, about what a... a chromatin chrome uh clone would look like what a chromosome chrome would look like and that there's different things that happen with twins sometimes that i think has a lot more to do with the association what's happening in the blastocyst as you're as you're starting to remember yourself inside your your blastocyst right as you're growing you associate with those cells you associate with them I'm associated with my shirt. I'm associated with my pants right now. It's Friday, but I'm wearing pants, sorry. But I'm associated with them, right? You associate into your cells. You call it you. And the more practice you get as you get older, the more you're able to control your cells. You're, you can move things around. You can do all kinds of stuff right that, right? Because you've associated with it, right? You, you, your, your polyvagus is fully associated. The 12 cranial nights of the round table, right? The 12 cranial nerves are there listening to author command because he is associated into his body. These two associated into each other 
And like many, many sets of twins, they develop this uh, sort of cryptophagia where they, they begin, they create their own language that they understand. And I think they understand this language better simply because there's a propensity to guess the same. And that the propensity to guess the same, I believe, even, even goes down to the quantum level to where you're basically quantum gambling and that the twins are simply better at it. And the reason why they're better at it is because the technology of belief allowing them to have telepathy is stronger because of the invigoration of those chromosomes, even though they've dramatically changed. Cryptophagia is something that occurs a lot in twins that this secret underground meta-language becomes uh, a vital part of their self-worth, their identity. These twins stop speaking to other people. They would write, but they would stop speaking. They went on to commit arson, a lot of crimes and vandalism, petty theft, put into a high-security mental hospital, Broadmoor High Hospital, until something really profound happening. That the girls had a long-standing agreement that if one died, the other must begin to speak and live a normal life. And during their stay in the hospital, they began to believe that it was necessary for one of them to die. And after much discussion, Jennifer agreed to make the sacrifice of her life. In March 1993, the twins were transferred from Broadmoor to a more open Coswell Clinic in Wales. On arrival, Jennifer could not be roused. She was taken to the hospital where she died soon after of myocarditis. There's no poison found in her system. The moment, uh, the moment the twin died, the other reported that she had been possessed by her her entire life, and that she wasn't able to speak because of the uh, agreement that they both had. She didn't really uh, explain the possession in a nefarious, uh, maleficent way. It was a uh, uh, more of an agreement they had with each other where the identical twins had associated each other as a vital part of themselves. And just like you keep secrets, uh, see, uh, your nudity is your secret, and you keep that because it helps you maintain your identity. It, it helps you build yourself. Having parts of you that you've decided that the world cannot see is, is simply the exercise and torque of your identity expressing itself. Your identity says, this is, this is my land, and I, I poop here, and no one watches me poop, right? Well, whatever it is that, that you, you express those things, you're simply associating more with certain kinds of, of places, say your outhouse, or your car, or your bank account, or your PIN number, or your credit card, or your keys, right? You're associated harder into those places. And I think the twins are showing us that, which is why I think it's an interesting, interesting cases to look at. This idea of cryptophagia, as I said, it's uh, Grace and Virginia, these other two, uh, other set of twins. Uh, one said, Dugon has you Denikin Dua. There's an example of that, or Snupa Da Awa Daipana Dahibana. <laughs> And uh, it, it, it's, it, I think you're just looking at association that they've associated with each other. And why would they not? They, they were many, many of these cases, probably all of them, probably all of them, although not necessarily there's a kind where you have two placentas, but 
and they shared the same placenta. These two twins were accused of plagiarism, and they won. They won almost a million dollars. University of South Carolina said that they plagiarized each other's paper. But it turns out this happens a lot. Kaylin Kelly here uh, wrote completely uh, independent papers, but they were exactly alike. It's part of that same association. It's showing us the clues. Again, it's showing us what our chromosomes can do, but, but more importantly, what they can't. It's not everything. That's really not. You guys have probably heard of this God gene. I think it's right in there in line with just tabloid stuff, to be honest, but because they were trying to say that there's a gene that has faith, but, but if you really understand what science is, science is all faith too, especially when we listen to the kind of crap that we buy as science now. Like, it's, it's a church. You know that. If you listen to me, you know it's a church. But there is this, this God gene, VMAT2, that, that they consider to be more prone for spiritual mystical experiences. And I don't care if you believe that or not. I want you to start to, start to understand that, that they're talking about this, this uh, spark gap that I mentioned earlier. That this VMAT2 is responsible for the synaptic cleft having this different kind of spark gap. The space between the vesicle and the receptor is that opportunity for psychotropic drugs, for uh, negative thoughts, for positive thoughts, for reinforcement, for propaganda, for viruses, for all the other things that we consider foreign material to be able to have influence over. And right now, we have this, oh, viruses are evil, so therefore they're not real. When in fact, what you want to say is, viruses are fucking amazing. They allow my free will to operate and express itself in a certain way. And this is the very capacity that I need to develop my individuality. That's the exact same interpretation of what a virus is. Because if you didn't have the synaptic cleft, there would be no virus. And some of the most terrifying things are happening right now because there are people that are actually trying to engineer a perfect human genome right now. And I, I don't think that that word is valid, perfect. Because I do not think that you and I live in a world where we understand the folly of perfect. It's the same concept that you know that AI is never going to be all intelligent because you are living in a world that does not distinguish which of the things it believes is lies and which of the things it believes is true. You're living in a world that insists that every single thing that we believe is not a lie, that all of it is true. And that there, if, if we do not know which things are lies or if we're not willing to admit which things are lies, how the fuck could an AI do that? Every single part of an AI is something that's trained from a set. We would need a feature set of a billion lies. That's not there. We have a feature set of a billion truths. And 80% of them are lies? 50% of them are lies? 20% of them are lies? I don't know. Look at my uh, course, There's Much to Unlearn. And we actually talk about the stats of how many times papers are proven wrong. Or how many times nothing's been able to even be reproduced, right? So you don't even know. So when you start to look at this concept of a God gene, you're, you're listening to the same propaganda that brought you the Scopes Monkey Trial, which is, again, is, I'm glad I covered that. The 10th chromosome is the God gene, by the way, the, the spirit gene. Let's call it the spirit gene. It's in the 10th chromosome. I, I, I say 10th because there's a cool, there's a lot of mysticism uh, with, uh, with the Hebrew people. It's cool stuff. Uh the, this is just a quick list. I, I don't even want you to take this seriously. I just want you to understand that that all of so many different aspects of who you are 
are traced across these 23 chromosomes that, uh, you know, there's a few things that happen with brain development. We've traced to one. That doesn't mean chromosome one is completely responsible for that. Not at all, but just to kind of explain these things. Uh, something about when you get cold, that how you respond to cold is, is in chromosome number two. There's also a gene desert region there, like this complete wasteland of empty space. Night vision comes from three. If you wanted to create a super army of killers that have no fingerprints, you and I could modify chromosome number four. And I think we could start Cobra Commander, right? Like the Cobra organization. The, they didn't have faces. Why? Because they didn't have fingerprints. Why didn't have fingerprints? Because Cobra Commander uh, changed, uh, found the uh, chromosome four and remove their fingerprints. What if the lack of fingerprints gave you a lack of self, right? Like a lack of it, that kind of thing. Uh, black hair, a lot of the black hair traits, which again is just melanin, uh, come in through chromosome six. Appetite, chromosome seven. I'll pull this up. Uh, what blood type? Chromosome nine. Uh, all these different, I'm not going to actually go through all these, but you can, you can see what I mean that basically, I do want to mention though that, uh, Trisomy 13, one of the one of the bigger birth defects we see comes in this concept called trisomy 13. It's either a duplicate or a missing chromosome. 13, 18, and 22 are kind of biggies. I'm bringing these up right now because I didn't know this back last year. When I was writing Ark of Baphomet, Land of Giants series, if you don't want to read the book Ark of Baphomet, you can listen to it audio. If you don't want to listen to the audio, you just need to listen to the 13 live streams. So either 13 hours of live streams <laughs> or a two, four-hour audio book, I guess, or the written book itself. But uh, uh, I, I explained that the six-finger, six-toe thing, the cervical rip, the first rib, both these things were genetic uh, abnormalities, not in the sense of your typical mutation. In fact, it could be that you could do a transcript search and look for uh, mutation, uh, genetic mutation. You might find this reference. But I specifically explained that, that it turns out that the propensity to have six fingers uh, is actually does not fit under the normal phase of mutation. Uh, it, it's much more highly prevalent. It seems to be something that's more kind of there, that's sort of built in, and it seems to happen a lot more. The exact same thing occurs with twins, that there's something about the longer you live, the more uh, 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 likely it is that you will have twins, And which goes back to this Archibaphomet idea that, that if there was a seed race that was here to populate the earth, that you would simply, check this out, <laughs> You would genetically give them a different mitochondrial DNA. That's the chromosome we talked about at the beginning. You would give them a different mitochondrial DNA that gave them a longer life. And that the giants, this Homo sapien, Homo erectus, Homo prolificus, all, all the sapien sapien, right? Homo sapiens was first, and then Homo sapien sapien, right? that both of those moves, both of those jumps, seems to be something that was uh, done on purpose, that was implemented in a certain specific way. And then if you were to do that, you could give one set, early man, a different mitochondrial DNA, which is linked to longevity of life. And that simply having the same 
chromosomes that you have now, but you simply live longer, would mean that you would have more twins as you got older. Why? Because you were here to seed, to populate the earth. This is the tenant of Moses, I think. All of the genetics are, are, are revealing themselves through the oracle of mythology. And they're showing you that. If you want to catch more on this, I, I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but you really need to read my book, Ark of Baphomet. It, it, it's, all of the stuff is laid out in a very fast, easy way to, to, to see there. I have not checked chat in a while. I'm assuming that you guys can hear me, and, uh, <laughs> and I have not. Uh, let's just see that, make sure. Am I even still, still going? Yeah, it looks like no one's like, this guy's muted. So there's, there we go. All right, good. So uh, uh, that seems to be... Okay, good. People are complaining about homework. That's good. That's good. That's good. I, I think you should. I don't think you should do homework either. I think you should uh, consider uh, more direct energy weapons. That would be... Uh, that would probably get you farther. So um, we're on... So you kind of get an idea. You can pause that if you want and read these, the rest of these. But you can kind of get an idea of, uh, uh, by the way, ginger gene, chromosome 16. Chromosome 16. Uh, Red-haired ginger gene. But something interesting in chromosome 23 is this idea of colorblindness coming on the X chromosome. 8% of men will be, will be uh, colorblind because the thing that causes colorblindness, the gene that causes that, is found on that X chromosome, but only 0.5% of women. And I think that's kind of a, a really, really cool um, clue also about why this certain special chromosome was kind of pulled aside. Um, and it has a lot to do with, with consciousness and with aperture, what we're able to see, what we're able to perceive, and things like that. How do I blind people with color? Uh, good question. There's actually a lot more about the color blindness stuff. I, either I've done a stream about this or it's in this next book, which you haven't done, uh, which none of you have seen yet. I have a new book coming out, uh, but I'm just a few few chapters away. But before that, I really need you to read Ark of Baphomet, guys. I, I don't even think I have 20 reviews yet on that. And if I had more reviews, I think that would help it sell. So if you have read that book and you want to review it, by the way, uh, Twilight, I think that was you who reviewed it last. Thank you for that review. That was very, very helpful. So yeah, there you go. Um, all right, James, we're going to, we got, we got one minute. I got to go to Airstream today. I don't got to go. I get to go to Airstream today. Um, there is a, told you about this, the GP Write project. They're trying to write the perfect, uh, human genome. This is going to come back to haunt us. We're going to find, uh, uh, in the future, there's going to be this really interesting, uh, uh, world. And if anyone finds the stream, you're going to hear me tell you that, Hey man, I think it all came from this GP Write project. <laughs> the, the idea that, yeah, we're going to fix, we're going to fix the genes. Yeah, God, he's, God's, God's just kind of, kind of lame when it comes to writing code. So we're going to fix the code and we don't care about transposons. It's okay. We just need one copy. Literally, these guys are trying to replace the multiple copies with a single copy. I think there's some primacy there from an art perspective. I think if they saw themselves as a, as an art, they, they'd understand it too. Hello, Mo. Good to see you. Um, so yeah, there, there's, uh, there's some stuff, there. guys. I gotta stop. I gotta. I gotta go to Airstream. You could come to Airstream. You could talk more about it. I, how many more slides do I have? 
I have I am on slide 32, but I have 65 slides. And I think that uh, I tried to Man, I really want to get to this uh Okay, I got I got to I got to do this. Wait a minute. Where is this? Here it is. We're going to close with this. We're going to close with this. When you look at the Y chromosome, it is suspiciously handy for customization. I called this stream the ancient control panel because I believe that the Y chromosome is a control panel. I believe that this uh, Y chromosome, not only do we not need it, but that it was especially created just so you could have like a control panel in Windows. That if you know what a Windows registry is, you realize there's like 50,000 entries in the Windows registry, but you only need to change the preferences for how long your computer stays awake, right? And so you would pull that preference out, even though it's in the same registry, and you would put it in a control panel. And I'm telling you the Y chromosome does that. Oh, point one, it is the most simple chromosome that you have. You only have 27 genes compared to about 1,000 on the X gene. So it is purposely simplified. That's number one. Number two, it literally glows in the dark under a microscope thanks to preferential binding of fluorescent dyes that for whatever reason, the Y chromosome is super easy to see under a microscope. That it was almost like, you know how cows have tags that are on their ear? And if you could imagine that one cow might say, yeah, this weird plastic thing grew on my ear and all of us have them because our genetic tree has these plastic things on our ear that have numbers. And no, it's not that at all. This Y chromosome has been added to you like a tag on the ear. I say added because your sex can be determined in the X chromosome. As I mentioned before, many species don't even need this special chromosome to determine sex, but you and I have a special chromosome that's completely different, right? That it has this difference, why? First, it's asymmetrical, that's another reason. Number three, it is stacked with fertility preferences, the entire thing, all the fertility things right there. Number four, it is not persistent and slowly disappears as we get older right? The Y chromosome shrinks. It suffers from atrophy, almost like it wasn't natural. It wasn't supposed to be there and it's slowly fading away. Why? Because we only needed that control panel at the beginning and who would need it? Anunnaki bitches. Anunnaki. If you start to think about this way, this Anunnaki, it's just a, a sort of a placeholder word, but you can start to picture what I'm talking about. That if you were building a seed population that was mining gold inside of your game, right? And that the in-game gold was fed to you by the amount of player characters that you have, that if your player characters had a control panel that you could pull up and actually say, I need more males or I need more females because I, I want to build or I want to breed. I want to build or I want to breed. That if you had one simple chromosome that you could pull them out under a microscope and literally set the gene in a very simple process and make more males that you would consider that a feature set. And guess what? The Y chromosome has it. Guys, no other animal needs this. We're the only ones that has it. Think about that. The, the, this concept of this S, okay, so the, your sexual assignment is, happens through this SOX9 protein. The SOX9 protein tends to spur off this SRY. So SRY is like sex preference chromosome. It's, it's, it's setting the preference. The preference is only set 
when a certain signal exists, and you can set that signal one time, you can set it a thousand times. If it finds one of those, it's going to make a buoy. And all it is is a buoy, literally, is it's just going to clump up and it's going to form a ridge where a crevice should be. And that just by having that first initial ridge versus the first initial crevice, the rest of your nautilus, the rest of your body unwraps itself into that gene. So I, 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 I cannot stress enough how this is probably going to be your biggest clue for a SETI. You know what SETI is, right? The search for extraterrestrial life. I'm suggesting to you that when you remove the propaganda, you understand that not only is water, the ocean, the final frontier, not space, but that SETI, the, the real life underground SETI project is the search for genetic intelligence, SEGI. That there are people that are going through this code looking for genetic signatures of Genghis Khan. And I think you're probably looking at something more akin to the uh, Nimrod, the Tower of Babel. The idea to play a color, to play a tone that would encourage everyone to work on the same thing could be a chromosomal tendency that was mined and built in by utilizing a chromosome that has now atrophied away and has been replaced by another genetic control panel called the Y chromosome. I hope that makes sense. Hope you've enjoyed these thoughts. Um, there's plenty more to come. I just can't fit it all in today. Uh, let me know what you think. If you appreciate these episodes, uh, I would ask that if you could maybe consider if you want to leave a comment to say thanks patrons because they're the ones that kept this alive while I was working on another book. Hope you guys have a great day. Remember the Alamo. We will see you next time. Hope to see you in airship. And that's all for my monotonous ending of mantra statements. <laughs>